So welcome back to another Join the Brave podcast. Today we've got uh, the goalkeeping coach, Bryn Halliwell, and the physio, Ross Anderson. How are we doing, guys? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Just um, good to see some 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 nice faces. Um, obviously, being in isolation and whatever, it's um, it's been it's been difficult. But you know, we've got to do it. Um, the sooner we get through this, um, we stick to the rules, and then we'll come out the other side. I'm sure we'll we'll come out stronger. How's it affected you, Bryn? Uh, by working stuff like that? Well, we've I was furlonged for a month there. Um, so basically we, we split it up between the, the crew. Um, I work at Edinburgh airport fire service. So, um, I was off for the, for April. Um, and then there's another group of guys that are off for May. We don't really know what's happening in June yet. There's, there's been a bit of a consultation going on, um, regarding sort of finances, which, you know, most companies are in that sort of, um, sort of area that, that they, they need to save money. So, um, we'll find out soon enough, but you know, I was off for a month there, and it, it was it was excellent. It was really good to spend some quality time with the family. Um, whereas normally, our lives are so chaos. You know, you're running from um, work or clubs, football. Can we do this? Can we do that? And and that just hasn't been the case. So if they wanted to do anything, it was either on the bikes or or running or or out in the garden. So um, you know, there's a lot lot worse people off than. Um, the sort of situation I've been with my work, but um, you know we'll all get through it. Um, come out the other side. Yeah, exactly, mate. What about you, Oscar? How you been, mate? I <clears throat> not bad. Uh, just been plodding along, trying to keep myself busy. Obviously, with my job, I mean it, it's all hands-on stuff, so you can't do anything. So as soon as this came out, that was that was it. So it's hard to it's hard to keep doing your daily stuff that you're so used to, uh, especially obviously with the lockdown outside job all the time so you're only limited to your one hour a day so we try to do as much as we can in that one hour either going walks or uh, out with the wee one playing football at the wee park across the uh, street because we're in a flat so we've not got a garden so it's just using that part as uh, your exercise as well and then we me uh, do deliveries as well for Amazon uh, just self-employed as well but it's just trying to get them keep going uh, and it, it's, it's tough but I like Bryn was saying if if we stick to the rules hopefully it gets lifted soon but uh, we'll, we'll get through it and uh, hopefully the football season will be back soon and uh, the more important things uh, are everyone getting well again and then we can uh, get back to hopefully some normality soon. Yeah, that's that's just kind of the hope for everyone, isn't it? We'll just um, we'll go and speak about both you separately just now. Just kind of get a quick bio of where you kind of came from to where you are now. Um, so, Brian, just kind of sum up. You started out at Wimbledon, didn't you, down south before you came up north? Yeah, I was um, at Wimbledon uh, in the olden days, really, when it was the the the, the crazy gang. Um, I basically from about eleven or twelve joined there. So, well. It wasn't an academy, but, you know, that that's sort of what people know now. So we were two, maybe two nights a week um, through at Roehampton. Um, my mum or dad used to sort of drive me through there, um, through rush hour traffic or whatever. So I would train there, there two nights a week. Um, and then it went from there to a, a YTS, a youth training scheme, which, you know, was a, was a two-year um, two programme. And 
got that that isn't around now you know it's obviously an academy um the boys so we had to we had to do just jobs every day and um you know get to train and, and it was fantastic and from there i spent a year professional and then um i got when wimbledon went to the wall basically and they changed over to mk dons um there was sort of a big big clear out and and that was my time at wimbledon done what was the league during that time when there were, all that changeover was happening? Did, did you know much because you were a young player at the time or did they not really tell you anything? Not really. Um, basically, I think we were getting relegated from um, from the Premier League and there was talk of you know different places that, that Wimbledon were going and you never really thought much of it. Um, but then it all sort of, you know, built up ahead of steam and, and it was Wimbledon were, were no longer and um, they they were up in Milton Keynes, and I think the the Milton Keynes at the time didn't really have a football club local to them, so the big idea was Wimbledon go there, and um, the fans become, uh, you know, Wimbledon fans, etc. But it, it just doesn't work like that. We we know that with ourselves, you know, Clyde for all the years that they've been over at um, Broadwood have had a decent enough crowd, you know, but they were hoping that the Cumbernauld you know, people that live there would 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 join on that as well, and it and it just didn't really happen. So, um, you know, fair enough to fair play to the MK Dons. They've had a um, they've had a right good crack at it, and also Wimbledon AFC Wimbledon that are formed as well. Um, it, it's been a it's been a really good story for for the coming off the back of Wimbledon. You know, who who were in the Premier League. You've, you've got two very very decent teams now. Yeah. So you moved up to Scotland after that, wasn't it? And did you go straight into Clyde? Yeah, when I was, um, I got told I was getting released from Wimbledon. Um, my, my world sort of felt like it was ended because, you know, that's all you sort of knew. That that was your family and whatever, and you know, what you're going to do. But basically, we had a boy come down on trial for the youth team, and a um, Scottish lad, and his agent said to me, look, you know, the, you'll be able to get a club in Scotland. Um, and he said, are you, are you up for it? I said, listen, I'm up for anything. So um, he, within a few days, I, ha I had Ronnie McDonald on the phone from um, Clyde. They were just about to win the second division. Um, and he said, look, we're looking for a, uh, a goalkeeper for next year. Would you like to come up and trial? Blah, blah, blah. So I come up for a few days and big Jim Stewart took me for a, a training session. And on the back of that training session, they, they said, look, we want you next year. Um, go away and think about your options or whatever. But, you know, let us know as soon as possible and, and we'll have you on. I thought, you know what, Let, let's just, let's try it. If I'm being honest, I've never heard of Clyde before. Um, you know, when you're down south, you only hear of the, the sort of the, the clubs that are always in the news, your Celtic Rangers, Aberdeens, etc. Um, but I was like, you know what, let's try it. I was 20 years of age and I thought, you know, let's, let's see what happens. Yeah, so that obviously became one of your kind of highlights of your career because you were there for so long. Um, what what made you want to stay year after year after year at Clyde? Was it just uh, the changing rooms, or was it just the club in general? Um, do you know what I, I I sort of fell in love with the club? To be fair, um, the, the 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 players and the boys and the, the the sort of background staff and the it it was just a really good club, and they you know we were getting so near all the time, um, and we always the next year we were like, well, we we can get promoted or we can you know win the league and. Um, but yeah, no, 98% of my time at Clyde, I, it was fantastic. The last year, um, when, when I left, there was sort of, um, things going on in the background that weren't great. 
Um, you know, they, they sort of come and offered us um, weak contracts, really. And, and, you know, we've done so much for the club and they were saying that we can do, you know, jobs for them around the, the stadium and all that. And it was just like, it sort of, it left a bit of a sour taste in all our, all our mouths that had been there um, because we'd, we'd, you know, we'd loved it and it'd been, it'd been great. But you know what, um, if it wasn't for Clyde, I probably wouldn't still be in, in Scotland and sort of, you know, had the sort of half-decent career that, that, that I had. Yeah, see, when even towards the end of your career at Clyde, did you know you were always going to stay in Scotland? Or did you ever think of going back down south and trying out down there? Well, when I, I think it was my last year at Clyde and I sort of had, I ended up signing for Dunfermline, but I had interest from down south. But I loved Scotland, I loved Glasgow. Um, you know, I'd made a lot of friends up here and my, my life was, was here. Um, I could have quite easily, you know, gone down south and, um, but I was like, you know what, I'm settled. Um, I love Scotland. I love Glasgow and, and that's it now in, I think at the end of June, that'll be me here, being here 20 years. Um, so, which is, which is frightening. I've got obviously my partner and my two kids and I now obviously work at Edinburgh airport, um, in the fire service and, you know, coach at the, at the Braves and, that that's it now. I'm here for the for the rest of my days. I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a jock now. I'm a jock. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll, we'll jump on to Roscoe's kind of career. So, what happened for you, Roscoe? So obviously, you you would have went to university to study. Was this uh, sports uh, physiotherapy, or was it, what was he actually studied at uni? Uh, I it was uh, sports therapy. But I studied at the University of Western Scotland. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I had two years at college prior to that, but that was. Obviously, I'd actually started off trying to be a civil engineer, right. and that actually uh, <laughs> that failed. <laughs> uh, and I spent uh, a year and a half working in a cinema before all this, and uh, it was good at the time. But I thought, no, I need to get my my finger out and actually do something. And then Roscoe, you got me tickets. Remember for for when you was at the cinema? I I everyone tickets. Yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> oh, I was getting big Jerry Britton tickets. Liam Buchanan was always Gary Hartons and all they were all they were all wanting tickets but uh, I so I was doing that and then I thought right I need to get a finger out. Did you know you always wanted to go work for a football club when you went into the sports therapy or did you just go into it thinking it was going to be another career path? I, I just went into it thinking right this this is something I want to do it's sports I was never that great at football I was alright but I knew it was never going to be anything and then I just thought I will I'll see what this happens. And then it was actually my second year at college uh, where I went for, uh, you had to do work experience. And I got, I, I just thought, you know what, so I'll try get in touch with Partick Thistle. And uh, I, I managed to get a, a year's experience there, just in once a week with the first team and helping out with the under 17s. <clears throat> and then that, that was sort of brilliant for me at the time as well, being a Partick Thistle fan. So I was loving it. And then went on to university, like you said. And then I'd sort of took a year out as a, a break to concentrate my studies. And then I think I had to, I said to reset one of the classes, I think it was in the second year. And then I got asked uh, if I wanted to go back to Park at I'll put with the under 19s, I think it was at the time. And I said, aye. So again, I contacted the physio at the time, Kenny Crichton, to see if I could come and work with the first team. I said, no problem. 
Uh, and again, once a week, remember the 19s, and then it got to partly through the year, that year, that Kenny was like, look, you want to come in as much as you can, do it. And that's basically where it all kicked off. Kenny couldn't get rid of me after that. I was in there all the time. Uh, but no, uh, after university, uh, I basically just stayed at Fussell. And that was me for uh, six years there. I think it was in that stint. What was it like being there as a Thistle fan? Uh, was it strange at the start, or did you kind of did you kind of have a professional head on straight away, and you didn't think about all oh, that's the guy I used to watch a couple of weeks ago in the stands? No, it was strange to start with, uh, and it, it was just trying to get the experience of how to work in a football environment. That's totally different than any other job. Uh, but no, it was really good being around the sort of players that we had at the time, and we had like Simon Donnelly there as well. Uh, you had a few other good names, and obviously later on you had the likes of Jay McNamara in as well. And you're going, God, these guys have played for <laughs> big clubs at the time and all. And uh, but it, you get used to it. You get more and more better talking with the boys and then in the environment. That was a big thing. Uh, you're just trying to get used to it. Yeah. What was your like favourite year at Thistle then? Like, what was it a year that was really quiet? You know, that was really busy, and you were like, you you kind of. You felt like you were working all the time with the boys, or was it like, do you do you just kind of enjoy the camaraderie and that with the guys coming into the physio room all the time? Oh, you just enjoyed it. Uh, don't get me wrong, there was hard times there, like like any club that I've been at. You, you get your hard times with injuries, but you still enjoyed it. Uh, there are tough times that you're racking your brains to try and help out. Obviously, I work be under Kenny Craig in the party thistle, and he was brilliant. Uh, I really learned a lot off of him. And obviously, you're talking about favourite years. And it was the year we won the, the first division title. Uh, I think it was 12-13. Where that team was, that team was ridiculous. Uh, how good we were. Uh, I was actually, uh, it wasn't. It was weird because I was actually out on loan. If, if you could, uh, Stenhouse Muir that year as well. <laughs> uh, so I missed the I missed the Thistle games on a Saturday because I was at Steny. Uh, but that was really good because that was my first year out uh, by myself uh, working with a first team. And that really set me in a good stead as well. And that was a great experience uh, there, uh, out there Tuesday, Thursday nights and at their games on a Saturday. Uh, and I just obviously kept checking the Thistle score and we're getting better and better. Was there an injury during your career at Thistle that kind of stood out to you that you spent a long time a player maybe it was the first kind of big injury you had to deal with uh, I mean there was probably quite a few I mean there was, all, there was the odd player that had quite serious injuries I mean there was no one that really sticks out but you did have uh, boys maybe doing your crochet ligament uh, boys with hip injuries and uh, even young boys Again, it's a lot harder for the younger ones yeah. when they get those sort of injuries. I mean, one boy, one boy that really does stick out that I, that I got on really well with and I felt for just because of how bad the injury was. It was even it was just a fracture in the foot, but it was just it wasn't picked up by normal X-rays. And then uh, when we did get it fixed, uh, it was surgery. But even then, there was problems. Other problematic ones: Johnny Black, great player. Uh, good boy, but it was just unfortunate for him that 
it just never really healed. And that was one that you're going, oh, I wish that had gone a lot better, but that is what it is. But uh, and he was maybe injured two years. Uh, and the club stuck by and we stuck by him. And it was just unfortunate in the end that uh, obviously he left after uh, being there too. Three, four years, I think it was actually. But it was a shame for him. I think he did eventually manage to get back playing, but it was, it was like maybe an amateur or junior level uh, for him. But if the injury hadn't been as bad, he might have, he might have made a wee bit more of himself. Yeah. How did it kind of come to end at Partick and then moving into Edisport? What was the kind of what was the journey between them? <coughs> uh, well, at Partick, I saw I'd been there uh, obviously six years, and it was actually my second year as a full time contract. And at the time, I, I was just a case of basically, I was, <coughs> I'd been uh, on the same money for uh, the two years. And I was just trying to get, obviously, thinking, right, get a wee bit more money. And I'd asked the gaffer about the time on Archibald, and he was fine about it. And then, obviously, went up the stairs. But uh, it was Ian Maxwell up the stairs, actually. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> there was, uh, well, <laughs> there wasn't any budge on it. So I was like, right, fair enough. And, and I thought, well, I'd done my six years anyway, I'd enjoyed my time and I thought, well, it's a wee bit time to move on. Uh, and I'd been working under another physio, uh, Martin, and again, really good. Uh, learned different things after him as well uh, compared to my time at Kenny, uh, with Kenny. So I'd learned a lot. And at the time, I was just trying to look out for myself a wee bit. Uh, and it was actually, uh, I'd, I'd went totally a tangent and it was a call centre. And I went to work in uh, SSE, uh, and just because, I mean, it was good money at the time, and I thought, right, I could maybe do this, and I could try and do part-time work, because I'd sort of started helping out Sterling Albion at that time mm. as well, so I thought I could do them during the week, uh, again, under Kenny Crichton, and then uh, hopefully get myself a, a better wage, and I very quickly realised that <laughs> it wasn't for me. And it was actually through helping out Stirling Albion, uh, the gaffer there, Stuart McLaren, uh, was working at Edge Sport at the time. Okay. And he basically, Chris, I think is, this would have been five, five years ago, I think Chris was obviously trying to really get the academy going, get it a wee bit more professional. I think he was asking the coaches there if they knew anyone that was looking, obviously a physio that was looking for work. And Stuart had actually put my name forward. And that's when Chris had phoned me. But uh, at work, you didn't get a signal on your phone. So I picked up the voicemail about three days later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, then I phoned up Chris. And uh, I, he offered, well, he obviously told me what the academy was about. And I was interested. And obviously, just with the complications of Chris being in France, uh, in Paris, I, uh, it was getting to a part where I thought, oh, this is the going to do, because I, I just wanted to do the place, uh, just because I was so used to being out and about. But no, eventually, I remember it was one of the shifts, he called me afterwards, and he said, look, I want to offer you, and I said, yes, straight away. I think <laughs> I went home, wrote my letter of resignation and handed it in the next day to SSE. And I started, I think that was, I remember my sort of uh, duty manager says, I think that's the first time I've seen you smiling here <laughs> as we handed over my resignation letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, so no, that was how I ended up at uh, Edu Sport. 
Yeah. What was the kind of biggest challenges at the sport? Was it the I, I know the coaches like yourself <coughs> probably find it difficult with the guys speaking French, but that's like get parts of the game. But you're talking about parts of the body. You're talking about bones. You're talking about injuries. Like that must be really difficult to try and get to find out what's wrong with them. Apart from yeah. just pointing sometimes. I no definitely at the very start. Uh, I found it difficult with the language barriers. But to be fair, uh, there was always one or two boys that had really good English. Uh, that could help translate there and obviously throughout the years that I've been here I've been able to pick up obviously words and uh, even just it's not even words I even realise now the way they're talking I actually understand it what they're talking about uh, and then that helps me as well I can sort of pinpoint it that wee bit quicker uh, but again as well if there is any other problems you do usually have someone about that you can grab and go are you able to translate that for me whatever they're saying but no, uh, it, it's getting a lot easier now. It's getting uh, it's getting better to work with them as well. Did you uh, think that because problem? of that? Regarding the uh, language could, barrier? Yeah, uh, when you joined Edu, did you find it difficult or did you find that you, you kind of implemented English more to them? Well, I'm fluent in French, so um, no, I'm, I'm a mild <laughs> way from speaking any Still sort of French. French. Um, but they, do you know what? The, the boys' English... Um, even when they, they sort of haven't, you know, they, they've got the, the bare minimum, you can sort of work out what they're saying. And most of the boys that have come over, um, they say their English is terrible where it's, you know, it, it's actually at a very, very good standard. So being here at Edu, you know, working with the coaches, going to college, by the end of, by the end of it, they're, they're, they're near enough fluent, which is fantastic. Um, and you always, like, like Ross said there, you always get one or two that are, their English is very, very good. So, they end up becoming a bit of a translator for us all. Um, but no, the, the, the language barrier is, you know, at times it's difficult, but you can put on a drill. Most, most, most goalkeepers um, drills are the sort of, you know, sort of same with, with different tweets. So they sort of know what's going on, but when they sort of muck up or, or things aren't going right, that's when they, uh, they don't understand any English um, at all. Um, but, but no, it's, um, do you know what? It, it, it's fine. Most of them, do speak good, uh, good English and it and it and it helps helps a lot. Yeah. Do you find that the the French goalkeepers maybe come over by a different style to what you're used to playing in Scotland or playing in England, or do, is it just kind of a universal kind of style for keepers, or do you find that it's a different kind of European style compared to the UK style? Yeah. No. Definitely. There. There's a. They're, they've been taught. Um, you know, different, and and that's absolutely fine. Don't get me wrong. The the, the basics of, of of goalkeeping. You know. Is keep the ball out of the net any any which way um, you know that, that matters. But they they seem to come over and everything is quite theatrical. Um, they they like to try and make things look look very good. Um, and what, you know what I what I try and do and goalkeepers of, of the past Edu of, of, of you know get the fundamentals right. You know let, let's let's try and catch the ball and then um, once you um, you know, have got that sort of technique. Then, you know, once you've you're there to to make a save, and whether it's a, a top bin or, or or a low bottom corner, but um, yeah, no, it's they they've been taught everything is very very fast. Everything is always they want to do everything really 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 quickly. Um, so you know, it's just just tweaking it. I would never try and change anyone's technique completely, um, but you know, we work a lot on volleys and, and catching the ball, and then you know. If, if I feel that they should have tried catching it, um, you know, we'll sort of try and discuss it. 
and then you know just try and tweak it because um, they they do try and make things look theatrical in in a certain way, and everything is very very fast, and they're just trying to slow it down, um, you know, and take one one step um, at a time. Yeah. So like we're, we're talking about Eddie Sport there, but as you well, we all kind of know now that Eddie Sport turned into Caledonian Braves last summer. So I'm interested to see your kind of points of view because you were both at Eddie Sport before the transition went through. So Ross, you can maybe take this first. Um, what what was your opinions in last year and how it kind of came about? What did you think about it? Uh, the transition? Did you think it was important at the time? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I think to separate the basically the first team from the academy, and it had to be done. Due to the fact that it's, uh, obviously with was winning the South Scotland League and going up into the Lone League, and first season we did well. <coughs> excuse me, first season we did well, but you knew if we were to compete and to try and kick on in that league, uh, we we had to make sure that we're bringing in players that understood the league uh, and players of quality as well. So last season, obviously that was the first season that we did that sort of separating it and bringing it as your normal Scottish part-time team even though we had uh, a good few boys uh, over from France as well that were mainly involved in the first team. Uh, but, I mean, it was a good mix. Uh, I think we could have done better as well. I think we had a really bad run throughout the Christmas period that season, but it, that happens at clubs. Uh, and then again, we've, we've kicked on again, obviously with a name change this season. Uh, I think uh, it was good. I mean, it gives it its own identity. Uh, and again, we played well. I mean, we we'd broke a points barrier this year. We started a few games to go. We could have done better as well, as in could have accumulated more points for those last four games. Uh, the only disappointing thing for this season is the, the Scottish Cup run being put out in the first round. I think that's one thing that we could have done better in. Uh, I think everyone knows that because uh, the year, the very first year, when we got to Elgin. Uh, away in the second round that was brilliant uh, and it was a good laugh alright we, we get beat but I mean it was 3-1 but I mean it was still only 1-0 gone in the last 10 minutes it was just it went a bit frantic in the last <laughs> 10 everyone's throwing everything to get something but no uh, that, that was the only disappointment of this season but no the transition was important uh, for us to separate have our own identity have our own wee club so that we could build up especially being at Boswell Hall Alliance Park, uh, so that we can sort of start to build up a wee fan base if clubs are at home, i.e. Motherwell, Hampton, people don't like to travel, they can come and watch our games. Uh, and hopefully that does happen and that uh, eventually builds up. Mm. Yeah, just something you echo, Bryn, just the kind of same kind of points of view from you going on from the tradition. Yeah, no, Ross summed that up um, brilliantly, to be fair. Um, I think within Scottish football, Everyone, everyone, sort of put the club as being a French team within a Scottish league. So um, we had to make that break away from uh, the academy, and the academy plays a huge part in in Caledonian Braves. But now people talk about Caledonian Braves as being a, a Scottish part-time team, you know, trying to get into the leagues, which is fantastic. Whereas before, you know, it was it was. Uh, Edu Sport is it is it all French boys and whatever and you know you try and have to say well no which you know we've got Scottish lads and we, we, we're trying to progress and whatever and mm -hmm. the way Chris has done it is 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 fantastic trying to get the fans involved 
um, you know, having they've got a say within within the club of you know whether it's to do with kit or you know the badge or the name. And he's he's, he's tried to get in you know a niche in the market. What Ross is saying there is if Hamilton, um, Motherwell, Celtic Rangers are not playing or, or they're away or they're, they're miles away, then you know come down and watch watch the Braves. And um, most people I talk to now regard the team as Caledonian Braves or the Braves, which is which is fantastic because it was always sort of known as the the, the French team in in the Lowland League or whatever. So it's um it's all progressing fantastic. And what Ross said there this season. You know, the points barrier was broken, which is fantastic. Still games to go. But we weren't that far away from, from being, you know, um, contenders. Um, there was a lot of games that we, we, should, have, we should have won or, 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 you know, it's been individual mistakes, or um, which happens in football. Um, but sometimes if you give a team who are sort of been in that league uh, a long time, if you give them an inch, they, they, will, they will punish you. And, and that's what happens. So... Uh, Ricky put together a fantastic squad, and you know, for next season, um, it, it will be it will be looking good. It's looking good. So I've got a question, to kind of both at what you work as in the club as well, um, as kind of thinking back to previous when you were, um, you know, throughout your career. So like Ross, do you see a difference in full time players and part time players when it comes to recovery? Like, do you think that like because you're full time, you they see the physio nearly every day? Do you think that you see part-time players do more than their own to kind of make that comeback, or is, is it is it different? Is it just completely different? I think yeah, I mean, you definitely see a difference uh, between full-time and part-time. But again, like you said there, it's because full-time players you, you get to see the physio every day, mm. uh, and you get uh, you get better facilities at full-time clubs. All right, more, well, even full-time clubs you don't get the best of facilities, but there are still facilities for players to use. Before training, after training, uh, obviously the difference to part-time is the boys have been out working during the day as well. They've all got either other part-time jobs or full-time jobs. Uh, and then when they get to training, they're maybe running late for their work or something like that. And likewise, after training, they're just winding up the road because you've been out all day, your full-time job, then your part-time job. So uh, it's harder for the part-time players to recover quicker. Uh, just because they don't get the physio as much, we, I mean, I do as best as I can, uh, part-time level uh, for the players. Uh, and the players know that as well. And we give them programmes they can do at home or if they go to the gym themselves, which most of them do as well, they can do them at the gym. Um, but I think the big thing between full-time and part-time is the amount of time they get to see the physio. And sometimes it's easier when it's harder to do stuff on your own. Yes, uh, boys will always want to come back, but you see you've always at the player as well, especially obviously with the full time, you're always there for them. You can always go, right, come on. They might be having a bad day, but you can always still sort of motivate them to get going. Uh, but I, I, think that, I think that's a big difference uh, between the two. Bryn, um I want to kind of, I mean, just kind of, Split with yours. Um, firstly, like, do you see a difference in the changing rooms from when you started playing to now? And we spoke with uh, Marsh uh, on a podcast recently, and we were kind of talking about coming through as a young keeper, especially when you're in a, a youth kind of system like Celtic or Rangers, and then you, you find that you don't make it, and it's quite difficult. And he was saying that you find that goalkeepers don't really start making it until they're like in their 20s now compared to outfield players who can start making early on. Do you think that's <coughs> a 
difficult for keepers. Or do you think that's kind of a good learning curve? So maybe go with the, the changing room one first and then go into that one. Well, obviously, um, regarding the changing room, it, it, don't get wrong, you still get the, the, the jokes and the, um, you know, the banter or whatever. And, it, and it's great. Um, you've obviously, in, in the Brave, you've got, you know, few older heads that that, that that keep it going but you know I think I think times have changed um, within football um, whether it's uh, you know now sports science and, and the amount of times that, that, that you train you know some clubs are training three times three times a day and that, that's just the norm you know whereas sort of I was a little bit more old school that you um, trained once a day sometimes you'd go to the gym um, but when you did train, you trained extremely hard, and especially if you're winning, you just keep that going, and that momentum takes you on to a to, to a Saturday. But within the dressing room, I think now, especially in Scotland, unfortunately that, that there's been you know troubles over the years with financially or whatever. So I think the dressing rooms now are getting younger and younger, which is fantastic um, for the players to have opportunities, whether whether it's in the Lowland League or you know. Um, in the SPL, whatever, if you're, if you're good enough, you, you get an opportunity now. Um, and that opportunity hopefully sets you up to, to try and get a, you know, a, a move down south. Um, where, you know, if unfortunately football career isn't, isn't a long, long career and you can go, you know, go and earn as, uh, a, a good career and earn as much money as you, you possibly can. Um, I do, I think now with social media, Instagram and Facebook or whatever, um, there's a lot of kids out there who are starting their career who are sort of wanting to look good for for, for social media as well as go out and put on a a performance, you know. Um, I think that there's times that, that you should just worry about your football train hard, train to be in the best shape that you can and, and see what happens. Whereas, you know, win, lose or draw now, I don't think it matters um, to to the kids now because, you know, as, listen, it's probably a bit harsh, it doesn't matter, but, you know, win, lose or draw, it's, it's always going to be on social media and then, you know, later on they're, they're sort of going out and, and enjoying yourselves and we did exactly the same, you know, if we won, if, if we won lost or drew, we, we sort of went out and and had a good time, but you know we didn't we didn't plaster over social media, and that, because it wasn't there. Um, but you know I, I think times have changed, um, definitely regarding football. Um, it, it's it's it, has it changed for the best? I, I don't know. I just used to like to work really hard and then then aim for a Saturday and to, to plan a Saturday. But um, you know it, I can't see it changing anytime soon now. Yeah. So the kind of what was your kind of view in the second point about like goalkeepers finding it difficult to come through after being in um, like good academies like Celtic or Rangers etc. and maybe not being that keeper to jump through. Um, you know, for instance, you've seen like David Marshall did really well. They got he got a chance when he was really young, and that progressed him. But you see that a lot of young keepers take a long time to come in. Is it just difficult because you're the only person on the pitch that can be there? Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, regarding goalkeepers, that there can only be one player and one on the bench. Whereas, you know, if you're an outfield player, you could probably play any position that the the, the manager asks you to play. You know, Simon Mensing was a was a um, a great example that he sort of become a utility player. He would get asked as remember at Clyde, he played up top for a few games. You know, um, so he can play in, in anywhere and, and most 
most professional footballers, outfield players could, can do that. But whereas a goalkeeper, you know, you've, you've just got to have that little bit of arrogance, confidence. If you take the knocks, you think, well, do you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong and, and stick at it. And, you know, probably being released from Celtic Rangers, Hibs, Hearts, you know, Hamilton, whatever. You've just got to stay positive and, you know, if, if you're good enough, then you will get opportunities. And, and, it, and it takes a break as well. It needs a manager to sort of um, not take a gamble or whatever, but just to think, do you know what? I like him and I'm going to stick with him. Um, but there are lots and lots of goalkeepers that, that, that sort of don't make it at the bigger clubs, but you've, you've just got to stay strong, be confident. And, you know, if you're good enough and if you have a little bit of luck, you, um, you, you've got a chance, you know? Yeah. Do you think that's it? Like, the biggest thing is a wee bit of luck with keepers. Like you said, there's only one position. You kind of, you may be hoping, not hoping for the injury for the first choice keeper, but if that comes up, then that's your chance to jump in. Oh, 100%. You know, you, you, you've got to be lucky. Andy Millen, he always said he'd rather be a lucky player than a, than a good player because there's been a lot of good players that haven't made it. Um, and, you know, when he sort of told me that years back, I was like, didn't really think much of it, but it's, it is true. You, you, need to, you need to have a good bit of luck, whether that's, um, you know, say goalkeeping-wise, the other goalkeeper on a, on a Friday night gets, gets sick and then you're in on the Saturday and that, that could be you and that, that's the start of your career, you know. Um, I know players and goalkeepers that have had really bad injuries who really should have made it and, and that they haven't and they didn't really get the luck, you know. So um, it's just, you've got to have a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of confidence. You've got to believe in yourself and just, you know, keep plugging away. And if, if you're good enough, you'll make it. And, you you know, if you've, if you've got a bit of luck on your side, it also definitely helps. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to kind of... We'll see if you've got any good stories from your previous careers and stuff. Um, Ross, we'll start with you. You've obviously been in a few Park Thistle changing rooms, and uh, especially the one that won the, the championship a few years ago. That must have been a great side. Is there any good stories from that, or any from uh, when Brun was at Thistle? Uh, uh, there was, was a couple of funny stories. Uh, I don't want to mention any names because uh, I don't want anyone getting into any trouble, but I always remember it was, it was maybe the season, I think it was the season before, uh, we won the first division. Uh, a certain player was out injured, and we we're doing it uh, Glasgow Green training, and he'd been out for a while, so we'd be, we'd got my bike, uh, so that he could cycle around because he couldn't run at the time, so he could cycle around Glasgow Green, and all the boys were out doing it training. Me and the physio Kenny were doing as well. <coughs> uh, and next minute, uh, all you see is this boy turn up with a bit of tribute grip on his head. Eyes cut out in the tribute grip, towel wrapped round him, cycling round, or oh, by the way, start bollock as well, cycling round Glasgow Green, comes into training and then just skids up, stands like a superhero, and then cycles away again. Uh, what we did, they actually, we didn't actually know until he told us later on, uh, his chain actually fell off uh, oh. round the first bend, and he actually had to ask someone to help put the chain back on. <laughs> While he's standing there in all his gear, uh, and uh, but I, uh, uh, one of the funny stories. Another one was actually this one's about me. It was right. on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday, we used to come in uh, to obviously help the, the injured boys. So I turned up, uh, and we were the ones with the keys. I had the keys, and uh, I'd actually I'd taken the key home, and I didn't realise, and I'd left it in the house. So Kenny, he's drove all the way from uh, Pitney, 
uh, out in Bigger. So he's drove all the way there for a Wednesday and then the key's not there. And even the spare key's not there either. So uh, it was actually a punishment. And he said, you are running one lap around this uh, pitch. Start bollock. <laughs> and straight away, I did. I took the gear, because Kenny was a scary guy. If I got on the wrong side of him. And I was like, no right. bollock, Kenny. But I was smart. I ran around holding my clothes because I knew if I'd left them there they would have been gone uh, so yeah, I ran yeah. round holding my clothes but I got what was worse was I got to the top left corner of the pitch and there's Astro at the corner flags so as I'm running round I went and decked and all brilliant <laughs> uh, but I turned back up and then uh, uh, safe to say I never forgot a key again aye. Uh, so I but no I don't think you could get away with that now but I what about you Brian you've been in a fair few changing rooms uh, in your day what was that? Any from like your time at Wimbledon? Like, were you there with Vinny Jones? Was there? Yeah, um, I was. I was there with when Vinny and uh, John Hartson. Um, Simon Menson was there as well. Yeah. Um, it was. It, it was. It was an eye opener. It was. It was fantastic. Every day was. Was you know, was just was was bants. You know, you had um, Ben Thatcher would get ten balls and he would try and smash the windows of the clubhouse daily. Um, <laughs> He trained every day in his Millwall shorts as well. Um, so it was also the, the you know when the the suits were getting burnt or whatever. But no, the the, the crazy gang literally was it, it was crazy, and that's how they did so well. They they, they stuck together um, as a unit. But um, yeah, no, it was it was it was pretty crazy down there. Like mm. any any good stories from your time at Clyde or anything or your previous career, anything you could think of? Well. I've got a, got a few. Um, most of them probably involve alcohol. Um, I've got a few on Simon Menton as well, but you know I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for a for the X-rated one. But when when we was at Clyde, um, Alan Kernahan come in as a defender, um, and then he ended up being our manager. So so we one season we had you know players like Paul Kane, um, Willie Faulkner, um, Darren Sheridan used to come up two days a week and play on a, uh, I think Thursday night, um, Friday night, and then he would play on a Saturday and then go back down the road. And we had such a, such a good dressing room that year. Um, but one of the stories I remember was, I think it was someone's birthday and they brought in fresh green cakes. So everyone was battering in or whatever. And I had just, I think I'd had a night on the Saturday. So I was shaving myself. So there was uh, body hair, pubic hair everywhere. And Shez picked up a, <laughs> Shez picked up a, a good dollop of, of, of pubes and under one of the fresh cream eclairs, he sprinkled them all, all nicely oh. and then put the cream, on, the cream on top. So everyone's absolutely, you know, wetting themselves. So I think Potsy had been outside, John Potter, uh, I think he'd been outside working on his horrendous touch. Um, <laughs> and, and he come in, there was two cakes left. So it was set up. I was going to take one and Potsy... He was going to take the other one, which obviously had all the pubes and all that. So basically, he come in. I walked over, took the one that was obviously um, fine, and he's like, "Oh, you dancer, fresh cream cakes, love whatever," and started eating it. And well, as you can see, the dressing room absolutely erupted because his mouth was um, just full of pubic hair. Um, and to this day, we still sort of remind him of it, and um, it, it was class, but. That year we had we had so many characters in that dressing room. Um, most of the pranks from from Darren Sheridan. He was um, he was he was a class class guy. He was always up selling um, boxer shorts, 
fireworks, <laughs> everything out the back of his um, out the back of his motor. Um, but no, Potsy Potsy took that one. He took it well. Um, and you know, the boys when we still speak, we still speak about the the fresh fresh cream cake incident. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. I've actually I've actually got one when I was at Soppy as well. Right. Um, by Andy Munro, who's at uh, Stenhouse Muir. I think he, he left us. He was a young kid there, and he, he's gone on to have a, a decent career, to be fair, in the, in, the, in the lower leagues. Good lad. I mean, thick. Really, really thick. So, was running out for a game, and he was... I used to do smelling salts, um, sort of clear your head, and he was doing it. And everyone's like, come on, we need to go, whatever. He put the smelling salts down his sock, right? Being a defender, first tackle... Geezer went smashed right into him, smashed the smelling salts in his leg, and his leg was gashed. And we we're like, "What's happened?" We 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 thought it might have been an open fracture because there was blood everywhere. He's like, yeah. "No, no, no, it's fine." Trying to run it off, pulled down his socks, and the smelling salts had cut all his leg where he put it down. And we we're like, "What are you doing? Why didn't you just you know give it back to the physio or whatever?" And um, he's like, I, "I didn't think. I just I thought it'd be fine till half time, but." Um, yeah, so so that was at Socky. Um, I think he had to go off injured actually because the the, the cut was 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 that bad. So, so yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot over the years. Um, you could probably most physios, footballers, whatever, could write a book, but um, most of them are a little bit X-rated. So I'll ask you, but um, we'll, we've been asking these to everyone, so we'll just go. We'll go Bryn Ross for each of the questions. So first one is: you need to pick two players you have to isolate with over the the pandemic. Two football players, past, present, someone you looked up to, someone you played with, just anyone. So Bryn, who would your two be? Bruce Grobbler and Paul Gascoigne. That's a good choice. Why? Well, Bruce Grobbler, uh, being a Liverpool fan, was the goalie sort I looked up to. Um, Growing up, his, his sort of antics and whatever, and he was a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, so I'd, I'd like to get a good chat with him. And obviously, Paul Gascoigne um, for the the sort of star that he was, and you know the, the the career he had, the stories that he's got. I think that would be um, would be fantastic. And you know, he's had his troubles over the years, and it would just be nice to to, to get a chat with to get a chat with him and. I'm sure his stories would 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 outblow anyone's, um, you know, if they had to write a book. Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, what about you, Roscoe? Is it Party Thistle legends you're picking? Uh, no, actually, uh, well, the first two that popped in and heat were uh, Peter Schmeichel and Zidane. Brilliant. Uh, so, I, obviously, again, youngster watching uh, the English football and Peter Schmeichel as a goalkeeper, I just thought he was he was absolutely brilliant. And then, well, Zidane is just. Speak for himself. Class. Yeah. Class, I think so, exactly. Right. Um, if you had to pick a game that you could rewatch over and over again, like from pa- from the past, because there's no live football at the time, what game are you picking? Like, oh, it's obviously got to be the 1966 World Cup, isn't it? Uh, Come on. <laughs> Come on. Roscoe, you knew it, didn't you? You knew it. You absolutely knew it. Um, it's got to be a game that you've, you've seen. You've, you've, like, mm, no, a game through your lifetime. Like, your, so your lifetime. Pick one. Like, just Liverpool, so you have to listen to England win the World Cup again. Right, OK. okay. Uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool against Barcelona last, uh, last season. Last four, right, okay. That's a good one. Uh, it was, it was, it, that, that was frightening, you know. To be fair, the, 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 their home leg, I think their their striker was one on one, and if it had been 
Um, if he'd have scored, it'd have been completely over. But um, you know, three 0 probably was still a very very hard task, especially against Barcelona. But um, you know, anything can happen at Anfield, and that was frightening. What were you, Roscoe? Uh, I've, I've actually been watching a couple of games over the last two weekends. There, uh, the one Scotland England two two. Oh. Uh, Hamden when I was there with Griffiths with the two free kicks uh, got a little bit excited there didn't you I did mate I did I, start, I switched it off after Griffiths had scored and I thought brilliant like that's it we've won 2-1 I'm not watching Harry Kane's goal the equaliser <laughs> yes. but I did actually keep watching it but uh, and then I watched uh, Thistle Hearts uh, Saturday there when Tynecastle first season uh, that were back in the top league and 2-1 doing it half time looking like it was all going wrong and then uh, ended up winning 4-2. But apart from those two, uh, the one that I could probably watch over and over was actually uh, the season before, the 1-0 game against Morton. Uh, I was lucky enough to be out and on the bench. And uh, we had about nine and a half, near enough 10,000 in Far Hill. Mm-hmm. We had just been beaten uh, on penalties in the Challenge Cup final three days before that. So I think getting beaten in the final, that probably kicked on the boys uh, mm-hmm. to win 1-0. And that was the one that really took us on to win the league. That was one that uh, you couldn't get in, wasn't it? Uh, it was it took, uh, there's a light kick-off and stuff because they, they couldn't actually house the away fans, wasn't it? There was too many I, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I think, to be fair to Morton, they had brought, I think it might have been about 1,500. Uh, uh, but I, Thistle had actually, Thistle had packed out the stadium and it was, oh, I can't remember the last time I'd seen Firhill like that. Uh, but I thought, and the gaffer had came in and said to all the boys, uh, "You're on such and such for a win." I mean, some of these boys, it was like you know, five times what they were getting at the time. I mean, they're just student boys, and then that gave them a big lift going into the match. We didn't need a lift anyway. Yeah. We were already flying, uh, and Morton were coming out, obviously saying, "I experience will win it over kids," but uh, we went and won it. But no, that's a game I could watch and watch again. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that one. I, I, I like that one. <laughs> you would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would be a meal that you'd cook? Um, so obviously, it's a, it's a wee bit better now than when we started doing the podcast and asking these questions about food. Uh, it's a bit easier to get food now, but what would be the one meal you'd cook over and over again during the, the lockdown period, Brian? I really like chili con carne. Okay. Um, I, I, my kids... They like it, but because we have it, you know, maybe a couple of times a week, uh, when I say we've got chilli again, they sort of moan and groan. But um, no, I like I like chilli. We, we put it in wraps and they sort of have it like yeah, a, yeah. an enchilada with, um, they put cheese and whatever. So no, I, I like a bit of a spicy chilli. That's for me. Yeah, what are you asking? What are you going for? Uh, what am I going for? I actually made uh, a beef casserole last night. Okay. Um, nice. And I, no, I could score that. We... Wee bit of sausage in it, carrots, potatoes, brilliant. That's me. Right, and the last one is what show are you, would you binge watch? So it could be something you're watching now or something you've watched previously that you've watched over and over again and you just can't get enough of it. What would you continue watching? Uh, in between us. Right. It's on an E4, uh, repeated. When it first came out, me and, me and my missus, um, she loved it. She thought it was funny as well, whatever, but... Um, watching every episode a hundred times, you know, even if it, it, it comes on, I still watch and I still still laugh. I just actually found out um, that my 
two boys when they were playing the computer had the in-betweeners on as well. So I'm not too happy about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of coming out with, with uh, phrases and sayings, whatever. But no, for me, the in-betweeners, it's, um, it, it's fantastically written. Um, and, you know, I could, I could watch that over and over. Yeah. What about you, Oscar? What are you, what are you binging? Uh, it's got to be still game. Or I've got old DVDs of Rab Cines, but it's okay. got to be one of them. Constantly. <laughs> Funny, You're funny, so funny. Scottish, aren't you? I know. <laughs> you can see the <laughs> And just to point, uh, Ross is also wearing a Scotland top just to make it even better. Scotland top, exactly. <laughs> right, so, right, we'll just kind of, we'll sum up, like, with um, how do you think this season's went? I know, Ross, you kind of mentioned it previously, but just what, how did you think this year's been for the club and yourself pre- uh, personally? So, Bryn, you want to go first? How, how do you think it's been? I think uh, that the season on the whole has been a, a success. Um, the one downer, like Ross said earlier, is probably the, the, the Scottish run. Um, you know, I, I think um, we could have beaten them, um, definitely. I think that they, they started the game and they had the bit between their teeth and we sort of were a little bit rabbit in the headlights a little bit and it, it took us too long to sort of get into the game. Um, but... As a whole, you know, the league campaign, it's, it's fine margins in football. Um, you know, there's been many a time that we could have had three points or, or come out with a draw and, and we've lost. Whereas, you know, it, it's, it's a learning curve and um, so many positives to take into the next season and, and be up there challenging because, you know, we could have done that this year. Um, we didn't have the budget of, of, of other teams. But, you know, sometimes if you can get a group of players together that are so driven, um, which Rich, uh, which Ricky has had, you know. Um, obviously, we've had injuries, or whatever, and and that just that goes as far. So, I'm really looking forward to the to the next season because it's um, it will be um, progress. I definitely believe we're up there challenging. Yeah, just yourself, Roscoe. How's it been for you personally, and just being at the Braves? Aye, uh, it's been a good season. Obviously, I've mentioned earlier on about. Uh, how well we've been doing in the league and a few more games to go we could have still gathered more points and even against the, the likes of Kelty Bonnie like we weren't that far away off it I mean fair enough in the Kelty games some of them obviously got Nathan Austin at the ball over the top and then he, he's a very good finisher mm-hmm. uh, but I mean a bit personally a bit disappointed uh, in it's more injury-wise. I mean, we had a bad wee spell of injuries and it's not just we niggles, it's long-term ones, obviously. It's Reedy, uh, Blair, uh, obviously Jean-Guy, Mark Kelly's been unlucky. So, I mean, it, it's nothing that uh, it can change. Uh, it's happened. Uh, we just need to keep going and it's great to get uh, Reedy back, Blair back, even also for the previous season, it was great to have Jack Breslin back playing after being out for so long. That, that was a a personal highlight for me for the season uh, to get Jack back uh, and we're still working away behind the scenes even though we can't do anything a lot I'm still sending John Gee stuff to do uh, helping him uh, get through his injury hopefully uh, well obviously we've still got a wee while to go uh, he was meant to have exams back in France uh, for tests but obviously they, they can't happen so we're working as well we can with John Gee and likewise with Mark Kelly he was meant to be getting a, actually a scan uh, just before all this happened. So unfortunately, that's not happened either. 
uh, just with the climate that we're in the now, and it's unfortunate. But um, we're still trying to work away with the injured boys as best we can, and hopefully, uh, like Bryn was saying, uh, excited about getting kicked on for next season, and likewise as Jean Guy, Mark Kelly. Hopefully, we're getting them back to full fitness, and we're getting them back involved uh, with however the gaffer sees that. Right, right, right. Thanks very much for coming on, guys. We good chatting to you and a couple of good stories and some interesting ones from Britain. But um, it's been good. <laughs> hey, cheers, guys. I know it's been good. Thank you very much. Stay safe.